welcome to the Belper Beer Club podcast. We're four intrepid beer explorers from Derbyshire, and we thought it was about time we put out a podcast. And here it is. My name's John. My name's Sean. I'm Paul. And I'm Jamie. In this episode, we have an interview with Andy Parker from Elusive Brewery. We talk to him about West Coast IPAs, retro gaming, and his journey into becoming a professional brewer. On today's podcast, we're joined by Andy Parker, um, the nicest man in beer from Berkshire Brewery, Elusive. Uh, founded in 2016, after Andy started getting recognition as a home brewer, winning national awards, Andy took the plunge and set up his small brewery operating out of Finchamstead, now a well-established brewery. And Andy, a published author, he continues to support and promote the homebrew community. And we're delighted to be spending some time in his company this evening. Andy, please can you introduce yourself and tell us a little about yours and Elusive Brewery's journey to date. Yeah, good evening, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I think you a nice little intro there. Thank you. Um, I mean, yeah, just to elaborate a bit on that. So uh, I started homebrewing properly in around about 2012 i did dabble a little bit uh, before that not not to any great success um but yeah i've really got into the hobby around about 2012 and started all grain home brewing um was that plastic and, buckets and stuff like that, at that yeah time? plastic is i think before the days of all this shiny stuff you got now um so <laughs> yeah yeah very much plastic buckets in the cool box mash tun uh, i used to chill the wort in the bath um uh, yeah it was very very rustic my setup it it did the job um and then yeah as you mentioned started um kind of started started, uh i joined the club started entering competitions and got got kind of better and better at that and and the the club helped me kind of improve and with with some brutally honest feedback at london amateur brewers they're they're known for for, um you know not they won't tell you something's good if it isn't um which is important as a home brewer if you want to improve um and then from there um won the Craft Beer Co. National Homebrewing Awards in 2014 and, and the prize was uh, £5,000, which became the deposit on the kit we bought from Elite okay. Stainless. Uh, and to have the winning beer, which was a red ale, um, hoppy red ale brewed at Darkstar. So um, that was released nationally um, at the end of 2014. And, and from there, really, yeah, it was a case of a lot of pr- frustration trying to find premises. You mentioned we're in Finchampstead. It was never the intention to be there. Um <laughs> always wanted to set up in Hampshire where I live uh, we looked at Fleet Farnborough Basingstoke we kind of found a couple of premises in, in one in Farnborough one in Basingstoke but they both just fell through and ended up taking forever so um, by then I'd already left my job the kit was in storage because the premises had fallen through so I spotted a unit over in Finchampstead and by then uh, already knew Darren Anley at Siren um, yeah. the owner of Siren and, and it's literally across the road from them so I, I rang up Darren and said would you mind if we set up over the road and he was like no the more the merrier oh, so we good. finally were going in uh, in may 2016 was our first brew oh wow so um i mean i've i've seen i've seen your setup recently and you've pretty much maxed out that particular uni you're in at the moment is that is that fair to say that's very fair um yeah we produce a lot of beer from, from such a small space i think but we are in fact just today got the least paperwork through for the for unit seven so we started out in unit five uh, which is 600 square feet to give people an idea. It's 10 meters by six, pretty much. And wow. I had the five barrel kit in there with two FEs when we started. Uh, I've now got in that same space effectively three times that fermentation capacity. In fact, slightly more. I've got four 228 heck FEs and 215 heck. Um, so about six times that capacity. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot more that we've managed to squeeze in, mostly by using the height. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, end of 2019, we took unit three. Um, which is the unit that's become our tap room. We opened our tap room um, just before lockdown, which was handy. Um, <laughs> but we had it did allow at least give us a chance to build a bit of a local kind of community and following, which was great because they really supported us during lockdown. And then we kind of reopened as, as lockdown allowed us. And then we kind of realised that you know we're at capacity. We can't physically brew any more beer. We dabbled a bit with Cuckoo Brewing um, at Double Barreled, um, but they kind of ran out of capacity as well. So um we decided that we we needed more space and very fortuitously unit seven which is the other side yeah uh came free um in june of this year and it's taken this long to get for the council to sort the lease out where we we finally got there with it so we should get the keys in a couple of weeks and we'll be able to you know kind of become a bit bigger hopefully so what does that look like for you then is that would it be just uh fermenting space or you yeah and stuff like that it's a bit more than that so we're gonna basically our tap room is like a hybrid space in 
one unit, which every Friday we, we have this big merry-go-round and move everything into the brewery <laughs> or into the car park, actually, <laughs> uh, because we usually brew it or package it on a Friday. Um, and then we kind of squeeze everything in at the end of the day and then run the tap room Friday evening and Saturday. And then on Sunday, I'll go in and, and reverse that so we can work on Monday. So what we're going to do with the new unit is build a more dedicated tap room space that can be, um, you know, can open um, longer hours, hopefully, or at least maybe maybe into the Thursday, Sunday, see how we go. Uh, but also, we'll, we'll be a lot less hassle with the stuff around all the time. So what we're going to do in the unit three, uh, which is the current hybrid space, is make that into a production space. So we'll increase the cold room size that's in there okay. uh, and add more tanks. Oh wow! So yeah, that that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot to be getting on over the next few weeks or so. So um, it is, yeah, busy times ahead. Um, I mean, I guess the the question that we're all on our tip of our tongues is where did the name Elusive come from? And your and your branding It's quite striking in terms of you know you, you may have known that to kind of tease that I was going to be having your beers uh, this weekend. We I got my kids to draw your can art because still the, yeah still the horse because there was, there was no way if i put a little kind of zoomed in picture of your particular artwork it, people get it straight away so it is quite <laughs> iconic but where did where did that all kind of stem from it, it came from um so there's a little bit of a backstory needed here i guess so i i met the guys from weird beards when i joined the homebrew club in london and they, they hadn't set up at that point we became friends with them brian and greg um and um basically um greg Weirby wanted to brew one of my recipes when they launched commercially, which was a, a saison hop with Nelson, with Nelson Sobin hops. So he's like, well, we can brew any beers. But you need, have you got a brewery name? Have you got something? And by then, at that point, kind of, um, you know, Elusive was, wasn't was a thing, really. Like, I had no desire to start a commercial brewery, but um, I kind of was using the name Elusive on my home brews, and it, it went back to my Xbox gamer tag, um, which oh, was... Okay. Uh, which was Estonian for elusive, funnily enough, um, but um, which is Tabamatu, and that, that was my online handle. Um, yeah. So when, when we came, when we got to the brewery, um, Greg wanted a logo to put on the bottle for that first beer, and a friend of mine, Kerry Jones, is a graphic designer, um, and I kind of told him about the the game of tag and the name, and he's like, oh, we, and, and kind of my passion for for eight bit and the BBC Micro back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and he came mm-hmm. up with the with the 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 kind of um, theme of the branding. Um, so you, you've seen our logo with kind of the, the pixel elusive yeah. and then the block block character brewing. Um, so it's just a yeah, real nod to the 80s retro video games, really, um, and retro computing. I, I really like that because it's, it's one of those names where um, unless you know the story, you wouldn't connect the name with the with the graphics, which, you know, it's not, it's, you know, I, I guess sometimes if you, if you have a, I'm thinking about like gravity well they've got a space theme and the name neon is, raptor neon, as well yeah it's very quite, obvious yeah. um but i, I kind of like the idea that that yeah unless you know the backstory you, no no one's going to look at it and go oh elusive uh, i think that's the uh mm. estonian mm. word for such and such and, and linking back <laughs> to video games but we do love to say why estonian what is it just it oh, sounds because, yeah when i got the xbox uh obviously there's millions of people on it already and i couldn't find any combination of letters to make up the word elusive so I started looking at foreign languages came up with that one <laughs> we thought you had a love for estonian craft beer maybe pahala or, or perhaps or uh, well yeah uh, you know it's not bad is it <laughs> yeah pretty good anderson is another one isn't it that's out there no pretty good um so in terms of your can design then who obviously do you have the same artists that, that work with you when you initially did the design no so, so kerry uh he he was a um kind of marketing graphic design in the corporate world and um he helped us get started, but he started his own business and was very super busy. So uh, he kind of started creating the initial brand for us, and then we've kind of been running with it. So um, we, if you take Oregon Trail, for example, um, the artwork for that is the, the background image is a licensed image. And then Jay, my wife, drew the horse and cart with, an, with this literally an 8-bit uh, graphic design program oh, wow. just by hand. And, and these days, Ruth, who's RMD, um, does a lot of those for us. So it's all in-house. Uh, we don't use any designers other than... Uh, we license some stock images sometimes from uh, from you know just just stock uh, yeah. from Shutterstock places like that. So it's usually a combination of hand drawn stuff we've done in house and, and stuff we've we've licensed to use. Oh wow! So who, what happens first? Is it the name of the beer or is it the, is it the, the drawing that that, that usually does? yeah 
Usually the name first. I think, although sometimes we find find a nice image with all that, that might work well, and we'll, we'll kind of give a name based on that. But nine times out of ten, maybe even more, even higher, the the name definitely comes first, and then we go from there. We've got a good thing about our, our theme being video games. We've got an infinite bucket of, of names, uh, and we've picked some really obscure things like hidden rooms in Jet Set Willy Two uh, from nineteen eighties, and and we'll. We'll tweet the beer and people are like, oh, that's that room in Jet Set Willie too. I'm like, how do you know this? It's just we built up this kind of game nerd following, which is awesome. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, I'm not I'm not that into it. I would I would pick up all the references. Certainly Overdrive is one the one that certainly yeah, I I, I can pick up for that yeah. one. There's a there's a, a few more that are in your face. What what was your favorite 80s? I mean, mine was, I think Paperboy was my I don't get off beer, but Paperboy was my go-to go-to game in the eighties. Yeah, enough, I mean, was playing was playing Paperboy um, the other day. We've got a little load of emulators and stuff at the tap room, and it's really bloody hard and annoying that game. <laughs> <laughs> it is trying to avoid that little cart, that, that little yeah. car that comes out. Yeah, that's very hard. Yeah, yeah and, and and at the same time, trying to throw the papers into the into the house and not break a window. Yeah, oh, kids today don't know yeah. how they've got it today. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, mine was probably uh, was probably Elite on the BBC Micro. Oh. Uh, most of my kind of childhood was Acorn Electron, BBC Micro, Elite was one that I played for hours and hours. It was like a kind of space trading game where you flew between planets and space mm. stations and bought and sold stuff and killed people along the way. I, I know, I know, we're going off beer, but I, I, I lost a big chunk of my life, uh, my childhood to that game. <laughs> and and it, you have a really. Uh, it's all wireframe, wasn't it? Yeah. It was kind of like yeah, yeah. You dock, when you docked in, it used to play the same song that used to get stuck in your head. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> it is now, but he's sort of, um, yeah, electronic music. And uh, that was on the older Commodore Amiga. They did an update to that, didn't they? Was it a game called Frontier? Was it Frontier? Yeah. Frontier, you, yeah. In fact, there's a, there's a real modern version of it as well. So it's still the whole franchise thing still going. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's still out there. Uh, for me, it was a football game. I used to play Kevin Tom's Football Manager. I used to love I that, that on, my, yeah. on my Spectrum. Um, oh, that was that was <laughs> heady days. The hours used to spend yeah playing that. Um, <laughs> getting back to beer, though. <laughs> yeah, I thought this would tune into a video game yeah. uh, podcast for a second. Though. But hey, we could go there one day for sure. Yeah. Um, what is your approach at brewing all the different beer styles that you do? Because there is quite a wide range, and it's not your kind of typical beer style that you that most other modern breweries are doing it's it's quite eclectic and certainly for us is quite appealing what's what, what's your approach there there's a combination of approaches i use probably so our initial recipes were kind of my homebrew recipes that were scaled up um by, by that point i had kind of a nice i wouldn't call it a library that's a bit grand but at least a, <laughs> a few pages of recipes that i knew uh would work and, and i just worked on scaling them up um, but as of I mean, we're seven and a half years old now, and as I've kind of gone down the years, I think we've built up a, what I would call a library that is a bit more of a, you know, got a reference for a lot of the styles we brew. Um, so we know, you know, if I'm starting a recipe, I've got some point of reference to go back to. But we've dabbled, we've dabbled in all kinds of different styles of recipes, and um, certainly a lot of them, we, we I like doing a lot of collabs as well, and we pick up, we learn from other breweries and learn how to brew, you know, new styles that way. Yeah. Uh, we've run some homebrew competitions and, and a, a brewed homebrew recipes from other homebrewers, which has been great fun. Um, so yeah, a range of different ways, really, that we, we kind of come up with. But we've been, um, over the past few years, kind of be, become known for our West Coast styles and the the kind of, you know, classic West Coast IPA and, and those kind of styles that perhaps, um, you know, got a lot of us into beer maybe sort of 10, 15 years ago. Well, you did kind of indirectly kind of uh, strike a, a bit of a fire in myself and John. So we do brew beer. And we did enter that Mort Miller Whit Beer competition. Okay, yeah. And um, we did submit our we did submit our beers. We we didn't we didn't win it. I think it was Middle Child that won it. I think that particular year. That's it, uh, yeah. But we've subsequently gone on to brew. I think we've brewed another two or three versions yeah. of different Whit beers with different kind of botanicals. And actually, we just absolutely love that style. Now it's one of our beers that we yeah. actually love. It's love a nice style. Um, well, I definitely ruined it for myself with that competition because we. End up with 120 Belgian wits to to judge. Jesus, <laughs> and yeah. that was hard. <laughs> yeah. We were playing with the idea because we had two versions of it, didn't we? We were going to submit. Mm. We had one that was we felt was very much true to style, and then one that had Hell Grey in it. And we thought maybe that that was one for me. Would kind of smelt better and kind of mm. tasted mm. better. But we went with the other one, the more true in style, and yeah, it didn't it didn't didn't place. But yeah, we got to thank you for that. And I guess that's a bit of you paying back a little bit 
by you kind of putting yourself in and helping run those competitions with Malt Miller and kind of then kind of mentoring the breweries that then subsequently then win the prize if they have a commercial uh, want. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's been, um, yeah, I mean, I, I explained at the start of how I got started was with a competition and, and through that and in other ways, I've got lots of help along the way. And I think when we got to our fifth birthday a couple of years ago, I was kind of sat there um, with Ruth thinking about how we can do something to, to help pay that forward a bit and came up with the idea of, of having this competition, the one that you guys entered, um, and, you know, offering as a prize, if, if someone was looking to go pro, then we would help them do that. Mm. Um, so use our platform, if you like, to release the beer, brand it with their branding, but get it out through our sales channels um, and help kind of launch their name. And um, we've done that twice now. Um, the second year was Snow Moon, uh, June Chung won, won that one, and we're about to do it again. So um, it's, it's been really rewarding for us because we've been able to kind of use use our brewery and our platform to help, you know, another home brewer potentially go go professional as well. Yeah, how how practical was that advice you ended up giving them? Was it was it all about kind of like the HMRC? It was what what sort of thing was it? You were kind of giving- yeah, all of that really. I mean, uh, look at Sam and Fraser. That was his middle middle child. Um, yeah, we helped them you know, back and forth, email with all kinds of stuff, and um, from you know, yeah, it, some of the legal stuff, some like distribution, some of the pricing, um, yeah, all that kind of branding and label artwork and design. Not in terms of the, the artwork, but more yeah. about the the legal side. What do you need on the label? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, all kinds of aspects really, and, and I think um, it's it's yeah it. If you if you're a home brewer go pro, it can be quite daunting. There's a lot to get through, a lot to think about, and if we can help someone kind of along that journey, then that, I think that's really good, and, and it certainly is very rewarding for us. Yeah, no, definitely is. I, yeah, you. I think you do. Is it you? You sell some of their beers on your website, or or Malt Miller do? I think I've seen. Some yeah, of we still sell Middle Child. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Snow Moon. Um, they've, they've just done another collab with Pastori, which I think June won another competition. He's very good at that. <laughs> but um, that they were looking at Cuckoo Brewing potentially in London soon, so uh, yeah. they may still yet surface beyond the, the work we've done with them. So yeah, t- uh, two very good brewers there. So in terms of collabs, then I noticed you you've mentioned it there. You've done quite a lot. Um, I think probably one of the ones that that we're most interested is that one you did with Damien um, from Emperors in terms of the Imperial Morris Men. Yes. How did that kind of come about? We've actually done a, a couple of clubs with Damien. We did um, Obi-Wan Shinobi, uh, which was, um, yeah, which was a, a smoked honey imperial stout. Yeah, I think um, we had that one. That was at the Derby Beer Con, I think, if I remember rightly. Okay. It, yes, it might well have been, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then we, we'd obviously work with Damien. And my friend, Sir Morris Mann, is a, is a, a recipe that I came up to get uh, in collaboration with my friend Tim, who's a, a Morris dancing policeman. And he wanted to brew the most chocolatey beer in the world. And we did a, a little brew on our pilot kit uh, and we put it on in his local and it flew out and everyone loved it. Um, so we scaled out to full brew um, and it, it became pretty popular. And then I think Tim was the one who tapped Damien up and said, do you fancy coming down and uh, brew an imperial version of it? And Damien agreed and came down. So we brewed a, a version of that. We put some of it in bourbon barrels uh, and then last year we rebrewed it and blended some back in and, Okay. Uh, and that's the two beers we've got available currently. So yeah, it's a good, good fun work with Damien. He's very, um, if you met Damien, he's a big character, big personality. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he really knows his stouts, and he knows that he's done a lot of research into them. And obviously, he's brewed some fantastic brew on his little grandfather at home, and and is now cookie brewing himself um, and launching beer commercially. So um, yeah, yeah big I see that they're going to have a venue soon in Nottingham. Is it Tuscan Raider? I've noticed them with Bang the Elephant. That's Bang the Elephant, like, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, good luck to them. I think that be a, be a bit of a, a, a mecca for stout lovers. I think that place yeah, when it opens certainly make a trip over there. Yeah, opens, I, I guess yeah. the only the only trepidation you have if you're in that kind of space is the new duty on on stouts. Yeah, it I mean, that, seems that... to affect uh, Tartarus Jack at Tartarus. Mm. Um, we had him on our first podcast. He's a friend of ours and. Um, yeah, I can certainly see they just did their Abaddon, their 17% yes. Imperial, and they did it 8.499999% just <laughs> because it, they didn't want to go above that because they said... Yeah, it, you know, it's really punishing. So we've got... Um, we had a beer at the Duty Thresher when that, that came into effect on the 1st of August this year. Uh, and we started pricing everything up because we had stock of 10% beer, the Morris Man and some other bits. 
Uh, and for a single can, a single 440 can of, of Imperial Morris Band at 10%, it was 60p more duty. Yeah. That was an increase. Um, yeah. So if you think that's our trade price, then by the time that's in your bottle shop, probably yeah. you know, 120, 150 more per can. So I can see why Jack and Tartarus has gone, well, you know, let's not get involved in that because it's, they're going to get super expensive, those big beers. Yeah. He did put a tweet out or a post out about, you know, his recipe on the scale that he does. He'd have to pay £11,000 extra in, <laughs> in tax alone um, on top of whatever yeah. he's done before. So The thing is, you've got, what you've got to realise, it's good for your health, though, isn't it, to drop to the 8.5, you know? <laughs> if you're always drinking 10s and 11s, it's not good for you. <laughs> but I mean, Everything in moderation, I think. That's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, what you need is really small cans. Yeah, oh, actually, yeah, you do. Yeah, it's like an ongoing debate we always have about small cans, and yeah, people have tried it. It's never stuck, but it does make some sense because to you know drink, um, you know, a, a large a large bottle of Imperial is probably uh, it's got to be shared. If people don't share, I don't share. You know, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, we are certainly seeing more kind of sub three point six, three point five percent beers these days. Um, I think I heard. I think I heard that one of the big macros changed their recipe for one of their big beers by 1% that meant it was underneath the, the threshold and they were saving billions of pounds as a consequence. Just <laughs> yeah, in, there's a, in yeah, there's a few that have done it, actually. Um, Green King IPA was the biggest one, and uh, that was 3.6, is now 3.4. Right. Uh, and basically, where, where, where that threshold that, that you mentioned, Jack Atashris, above 8.5, there's no duty relief anymore. Um, so you pay full rate. But below 3.5, uh, you get there's a discount, a 50% discount. So a lot of brew, and that, that figure used to be 2.8, they changed mm -hmm. it. So, um, there's now a peel, you know, and a brewery like Green King will save millions of pounds by shaving 0.2 ABV off of Green King IPA. So, yeah, that's what they've done. Mm. Well, interesting, but I mean, there's so many, so many really good low ABV beers around these days, you know, which. Which helps if you're trying to balance everything out, you know, as a yeah, drink, as a, as a drink from a drinker's perspective, not from a brewer's perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I would never thought I would drink in um, zero, zero ABV beers at all, but I do. So, mm. you know, it's kind of a rebalancing act from the drinker's perspective. Yeah, there's some really high quality low ABV stuff now. Definitely, it's really improved in the last few years. Yeah, we held we held a blind tasting night at um at the at the bottle shop where they didn't know what they were drinking, and we brought out a mash gang, uh, breakfast imperial stout, but obviously it wasn't it wasn't imperial, um, and we when we then said it was zero percent zero point five percent, everyone gasped. They could not believe. Mm -hmm. that um, yeah, no, that was that was that was pretty yeah watershed yeah. moment really. So, I, I guess we're getting reflective mode now. Now we're coming towards the end of the year. Um, you know, what's been for you the highlight, you know, of of the year for you in terms of things that kind of happened for Elusive. Um, I, th I think I'm going to tell you about something that's the most recent thing we've done, which is um, we were approached by a friend of mine, Becky, who used to with her um, husband run art brew down in Devon. Um, they're actually originally from Reading. But, um, and um, John and Becky have got uh, two children who are autistic, uh, one of which with, with special education needs. And um, their kind of, um, their project that they came up with was to launch a, a brewery that, that kind of helps train um, people with special educational needs and, and introduce them to brewing and to hospitality. And the project's called Count Me In Collective. Um, and they approached us to help us launch that and they come and do a, a collab, it turned into two collabs and help them put some beer out with their branding on it um, and start to make a noise about that project ahead of the crowdfunding launching, which launched at the weekend. And we had a couple of training days where some of uh, Becky's volunteers came down uh, and seeing the, the kind of, um, I mean, there's a, a statistic, something like uh, only 22% of adults uh, with autism will have jobs in the UK. Uh, and it goes down to six percent if they have also have special education needs, um, which is which is pretty awful. It's it's, it's something we can all do more uh, to help with, uh, and that's what the project's setting out to do is to give those some of those people a kind of a road into into a job, into a, a career, um, and that's been one of the most rewarding things we've done ever uh, since we started the business, and yeah, been a real highlight this year. 
Oh, that's really interesting. I mean, I had I did see tweet of the weekend that you know in the seven years this, this seems like the most rewarding thing that you've been involved. Yeah, in. Yeah, so, yeah. Really. No, I, I guess actually, I mean, um, think, thinking about the um, that kind of career aspects is is not just yourself, but in the brewing industry, do you get a lot of people sort of um, taking on um, apprentices or, or or training up the next generation? Do, does that happen much? It does. Yeah, a lot of breweries took advantage of the um the, the government apprenticeship scheme that was uh running until recently and that um you know gave you some financial incentive for giving a young person a, a, a job on a training training them as an apprentice there were kind of some tax advantages to doing it and that that opened up a few jobs and a few apprenticeships i mean when i left school i did an apprenticeship uh, in electronic engineering and i think apprenticeships are a, a great way for people who aren't that academic to kind of get their first steps into their first job um, so um, yeah, I think um, I think it's an important thing that we try and keep going, really. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, my 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 wife t- teaches T levels, so they're 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 kind of like that that halfway house between the apprenticeship and and, and yeah. A levels. But um, she's always like looking for people to go out. So I think I think it's just it's, it's great because it's uh, it's an industry that people can set people up for for a long time and give them opportunities their own careers. But um, did you say electrical engineering was that what you did prior to? doing the the brewery yeah that kind of i yeah was initially in, in uh electrical and electronic engineering and then kind of fell into it after my first job so my first job was in uh, circuit repair and then i kind of fell into it as a lot of people do and um, actually had a career in it before uh before i started the brewery i did pretty much the same thing i did same same degree worked in a television factory for a while became a teacher and then became a software developer. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Common. a lot of IT jobs opened up exactly. in, in yeah. that time frame. Yeah. yeah. So, do you ever do you ever miss or, or, or I don't want to use the word regret, but do you ever miss like, you know taking? Because obviously, it sounds like quite a career change to go from that kind of I guess desk bound job to sort of taking on your own yeah. business and doing with everything. The risks, yeah, with the risks. It was a big leap. I missed the money. <laughs> I'm joking. I think um, initially, I mean, when, when I started the business, it was just me. Um, after a year or so, I had a, a part-time uh, assistant brewer. Uh, and, and now we're kind of four full-time people with some part-time people as well. But in those first year, couple of years, I really missed having colleagues and having, you know, like a team. <laughs> and it felt quite lonely at times. You know, you're kind of there, particularly when things are going wrong. There's no one to, to lean on and... Uh, you know, or to kind of club together for ideas to fix it. Um, so yeah, that's. But now we're we're you know we're a little team at Lucy, but uh, you know that, that kind of I've got that back if you like. But that was a that was a big change. Working from working in a big company to being on my own kind of thing. The reason why we're around the table today drinking your beers is the fact that I I I kind of been watching you for a little time and I thought, do you know what? When you look on Untapped, I've noticed that the exception of Jamie, none of the other guys have drunk any of your beers. And I thought that's an absolute crying shame. So I went and um guilty. Yeah, <laughs> I went and sourced um a trilogy of the West Coast beers that you had on the Oregon Trail uh, trilogy. So that was the standard Oregon Trail, the red IPA and the uh, triple um yeah. and what do we think of that that gents well i, I i'm just going to jump in there a little bit sean because i think so you know we we, we do this beer club we, we buy each other beers if people have listened to the podcast before know um and um i, I think there's also the, the 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 fact that um sean's still quite bitter about <laughs> john not liking a west coast ipa yeah. <laughs> from years ago from years ago years ago <laughs> this is when this is when beak just started out um and um the beer was jumbo, I think it was. Trumbo, 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 yeah. Trumbo. And 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 it was a great beer. And and John didn't rate it very high. Uh and and proclaimed himself to not like West Coast. So it's been a, a running joke that John doesn't like West Coast IPAs. <laughs> but recently he's 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 yeah, he's come around a bit recently and he few. checked he checked a couple of beers in that he scored mm. quite he scored quite well. So I think as well as getting a brewery that that we should have all had a lot more before. 
Um, uh, Sean was definitely challenging um, John's West Coast IPA. He sort of said, you know, that's it's kind of proof if, the, if you know if you if you didn't like Oregon Trail, then you can percept, you know, actually proclaim to not like West Coast IPAs. I think that's kind of the perceived wisdom. Certainly, I think yeah. across the the, the beer drinkers uh, world, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you guys are the, you know, the standard bearers for that. Uh, yeah, sorry we've not tried you before on our little uh, club, but that's but that's mainly because we're looking for like new up and coming uh, breweries, and we, we've only done this season. We've done it in different seasons, and it's only really this season we sort of focus back on the people that are kind of the backbone of the business, uh, like sort of yourselves uh, and a few others. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's amazing what you take for granted. We assumed that we all do what, what it was, and in fact, we didn't in reality. Um, but yeah, as far as the actual beers, I mean, I like a West Coast. I'm not John. Uh, and basically, uh, it really delivered, had that like bitterness, but you know, all the sort of hoppiness. And then you've got those slightly savory notes. Um, so, one thing we noticed because well, I was a big fan of the red style, uh, and I noticed because you, you put me right that you've actually got three available in your shop at the moment, which is pretty amazing. Uh, I used to never be able to find one, and you've got three. I think that's kind of showing off a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. keeping that flag flying. Yeah. Anyway, the red one was like was a lot smoother. I think we all found that, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's got a lot of the characteristics you're looking for, but it's a little bit smoother. And then the triple, I mean, it kind of knocked your socks off uh, to an extent. But on the other hand, it wasn't like drinking a mega boozy beer either. So that was kind of kudos in terms of there was no real hot burn uh, in there, and it was just like full of full of punch basically so I think all around a really good sort of setup you've got with those uh so definitely looking for them again that's really good feedback thank you i'm glad you enjoyed them and yeah. i i actually i'd just like to point out that i really enjoyed them as well and i have got <laughs> i'm I, it's still not my favorite style but i've definitely discovered a few recently and i, I my favorite was the triple um although i was on short measures because i was on on call unfortunately on friday Saturday. Had to measure, had to dial back my normal consumption, but yeah, good, good work there. If, you, if uh, definitely converting me around. See, I, I actually, I think the original was actually my favourite. Mm. I, I think um, it, it was, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, it was a perfect balance mm, between mm. the the bitter, the sort of more resinous, and 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 the, the kind of spicy notes, I guess, from the rye. Um, mm. And and it surprised me actually that that. And I know everyone's palate's different, but I, I found the kind of spiciness, that, that kind of wideness was was more predominant in the Oregon Trail than it was in the sunset. In in the sunset, yeah. which I was kind yeah. of the other way around. Yeah, because um, there was a lot more rye in the red than, than yeah. there is in Oregon. Yeah. What's which one's your favourite out of that kind of grouping? Or I, I think the uh, the original um, is the one we've worked the most on and worked the hardest on, and. Um, it's kind of taken a while for me to get that beer where I'm really happy with it. And that's kind of where it is now. And that's now our best selling beer. So that's the one that, you know, I'm most invested in, I suppose. But the, the reds, uh, I really enjoyed the reds. Um, I think we've got the, a nice, but you mentioned there, the, the balance in there of the, you know, a bit, a bit smoother, that kind of uh, the, the, the malts give it a layer in a kind of base sweetness and gives it a bit more balance. Although it was the same level of bitterness as Oregon Trail. Uh, it, it came across as, a, as kind of smoother and more more balanced, which worked really well. Uh, the triple I was pleased with. The um, was really keen to get that dry. It can be when you have a double IPA. Uh, I'm not talking New England, but specifically on West Coast, um, they can be a little bit sweet and cloying if the uh, if they don't if you don't get them dry and ferment them out properly. So I was pleased with how dry we got that, and it gave it that kind of uh, crisp, snappy uh, thing over the palate with a nice finish. So um, that was the first time we brewed. Uh, the triple and the red so mm. didn't have quite the the kind of um history if you like in the investment that oregon trails had um, but um mm. uh, yeah i was pleased with all three uh, but i think oregon the original is, is definitely my favorite still I, I think it's a really good point about the dipper though because if, if i if i put out a uh yeah a, a, or sorry the, the tipper in fact if i if i pull out a triple ipa and it's I know it's a it's a it's a New England one. I I'm pretty guaranteed. I feel pretty guaranteed. I, I it's going to be a really good beer. But I always go into the few West Coast. You know, there's not many, but the few West Coast triple IPAs. I I always enter that one with a little bit more trepidation. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit more uncertainty in, in terms of what it's going to end up. And and you are. I thought that the um the Oregon Trail one. It it, it there was a sweetness to it, but it it, it definitely wasn't. 
oversuite, it was it, everything was in the right place, and that was yeah. Hats off to you there because that was. And can I just got one, one question. I don't know you want me yeah. a bit. Um, obviously, the West Coast um, IPA is 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 a style that that you know you're synonymous with. But um, is there a, a tweak, a version of the of the of the West Coast that you you haven't played with yet that you you want to? Um, we're going to do uh, one more trilogy of Oregon Trail, which will be so the first um, the first trilogy we did did was a double IPA um, and the well, a black IPA called Midnight Oregon Trail. Uh, so we're going to brew another trilogy in the new year, and that will be the a double red uh, and a um, a double black. Uh, oh wow! A double black when, West Coast IPA. Wow. When, when we re-release the, the the dipper, so there'll be three eight percent. Beers, um, the, the 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 Oregon Dipper, the, the black and the red. So that'll be four, four, four. Um, I think what one thing I'm really have enjoyed getting into is that the the West Coast style has definitely evolved over on the West Coast. Because when I started brewing them back in 2012, they were almost amber in colour, quite sweet. Uh, well, not not sweet, but a lot of sweet more that they balance with a real punchy bitterness. But it's definitely evolved over there. To if you drink the more modern West Coast, they're very very pale in colour um uh-huh. use more modern hops your mosaics of the world things like that um and they're generally slightly less bitter than they perhaps were um because there's less malt sweetness to balance that against so we've we've been playing around with modern west coast ipas we've done a couple now uh one uh, was the club we did with siren um which is one of our birthday beers and that was um called nine mile ride uh, and that was nelson and citra so i'm, I'm keen to explore that more modern West Coast um, style of IPA, and we're brewing one um, in a couple of weeks' time to release for, as part of our Christmas beers. So, have fun playing with that. I think. Brilliant. And when we talk about seasonality, we also took the opportunity to try your pumpkin beer. Was it yeah. Carmen Yams or something? Was it something in Yams? Carmen Yams. That's Carmen it. Yams. Carmen Yams. Yeah. So definitely had a clove hit to it, didn't it? It definitely it, it tasted seasonal for sure. Had the spices in that. Um, did it actually have pumpkin in it? I... Yeah, it does. It, it does. <laughs> right. So we uh, yeah we use pumpkin puree, um, and uh, we yeah basically it goes in the um, in the boil. Um, it's weird because pumpkin it doesn't really taste so much. It's it like sweet potato in a way if you mm. if you eat it, um, but it oddly it gives it um, a little bit of mouthfeel. It's quite a slick kind of mouthfeel um and you you do get that come through in the beer we don't use a lot so we use a, a case of um 24 cans of pumpkin puree uh into the boil uh, basically so about about four or five kilos of, of, of pumpkin who i mean who knew you could buy pumpkin puree i mean I, that's yeah, a, that's a yeah. new thing for me is it, is I, it I, any- I, I take it as the kind of stuff yeah the kind of stuff you get from the shop to make a pumpkin pie with that kind exactly of yeah, yeah, yeah okay that's it yeah, classic, classic Halloween pumpkin pie. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I love the branding <laughs> on the can was cool. Um, I wasn't totally getting all the spices, but that was mainly because we just had it after the tipper. So, yeah. mm. <laughs> I think that's one of my favourite can designs of ours. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. As I say, with, with with all the um the seasons for 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 you know brewing beer, you'll get people do Halloween specials, and I, I guess it'll be people. You know, gearing up for the you know alcohol free in January and, and bonfire. Is there is there a particular season you get excited about brewing beer for? Obviously, you got a Christmas box, and you're going to get your I know smashing up miles in May or something. Is there is there a particular time you yeah you get excited about making beers for? Yeah, I think definitely for me it's this time of year because uh, through the summer we don't really brew anything but pale ales and things that. We know people want to drink, you know, when you, if you're after what you want a beer and it's 30 degrees outside, you're not going to be reaching for a stout. Some people will, but the majority certainly won't. So I think this time of year when we start to get, there was a, I looked at our tank. Uh, we use a bit of software called Brew that gives us a visualisation of our tanks. And I clicked on it last week and there were three dark beers in the tank. I'm like, yes, this is, this is good. <laughs> uh, we finally migrated from summer to autumn. Um and uh, also, you can't you cannot beat. I mean, you guys brew. You ca- cannot beat mashing in a dark beer. That smell you get, mm, mm. those roasted malts, and that's a real comforting thing. I think. Uh, actually, it's a good point. Do, does does weather play a, pa- a pl- part in your plan? Obviously, like we had this year where we had a, a pretty awful summer, and then we had in October and late September having like thirty degrees. Does that does that end up changing? What what it, can you react that quickly to change? 
what you're brewing? We're fairly agile. We can. Um, we, our, our average tank time is about two or three weeks, and more, probably more towards three. But we, you know, we can um, adapt fairly quickly. We're not tied to a core range. Um, so, other than Oregon Trail, that's always available. Um, we can kind of flex and do what we want. Um, and definitely, it is weather. We we just know it's a huge. We noticed a couple of things in the summer. Definitely, people drink less cask. Um, so when it's really hot, they'll tend towards keg. Yeah. Something cold. Um, so we notice our car sales will head off to, you know, our, our keg sales will, will increase in summer, car sales drop off. So we adjust our production for that. But also, um, yeah, anything red, dark um, tends to sell a lot less in the summer. So, um, yeah, seasonally we do adjust what we make based on the weather. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, is there any beer style that you believe has emerged in the craft beer market over the last five years that you think is most overrated? Is there a particular style that you think, ah, I don't get that? <laughs> I did struggle with Brute IPA. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you might mention that. Uh, they didn't <laughs> really work for me. I did actually, uh, Siren Brew, uh, one that was really nice. I, did, I don't remember having too many that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, so that's probably the one I'd call out. Didn't really get, get that. Yeah. You, yeah. you can't really get them anymore, can you? I didn't think the last one I saw I think I saw one the other day and I was surprised to see it. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of, it's the cold IPA thing which has popped up since then. I still yeah, that's that's. I think those can work pretty well. We brewed one actually. I mentioned Snowman earlier. The recipe that they uh, came up with was a, a cold IPA, so it's mm-hmm. kind of fermented with lager yeast um, mm. at warmer temperatures, and then a super pale grist, and then dry hops like an IPA. And that was that was a really nice beer. That worked well. Yeah, great stuff. Good. I just wanted to mention about sort of roots to market because. Um, you know, one of the reasons maybe we've not tried you before is that, you know, we've not seen you around here too much. Um, obviously, I, obviously, I've obviously a quick look at your web shop now because I've already looked at it, searching for my red IPAs. Um, and you've obviously, have, you know, you, you sell a few other beers on there as well. Um, so it's that kind of, obviously, a lot of that took off over, over lockdown, etc. So, you know, you're getting a good traction from your web shop these days. Yeah, we do, actually. I mean, obviously, it's not at the peaks it was during lockdown. Uh, when people couldn't go to the pub and were drinking at home, um, but it's great to have our pubs back because we, you know, that was, ke- you know, it's great to be filling casks and kegs again and selling them to pubs. Yeah. Uh, that's what we want. That's that's the backbone of our business. But the web shop, um, you know, it still does a fairly decent trade. Particularly if we have a new, an exciting new release, then we'll see a few orders come through, um, and that's important for us in terms of. You mentioned routes to market. You know, we're small, so our beer is not everywhere. Uh, you can't walk in any bottle shop in the country and find right. elusive. Um, we've got a very small range of customers we work with uh, either directly or through wholesale. So uh, having that web shop means that anyone in the UK can try our beers, which is which is important to us. Yeah, and the slightly more controversial side of that is um, we know you're not a bruiser. I mean, what's your kind of view on on what they're doing? Um, we yeah, we were approached by bruiser. We have been a couple of times. Um, we can't make the price point work at our size um currently so uh, i'm not saying in future we may be able to get to that point where it works for us but uh, currently it doesn't work for us so uh, it's not something we, that we can fulfill to any great volume and i'd hate to just go on there for one month and have to come off again and right. you know if, if we, we, we want to commit to it we you know we'll look at it and weigh it up in future but for now we're not on there but you know i'm a, i use it i'm a member <laughs> um, and uh you know well, yeah, that's, I, I a great, that's a great answer that's a great answer they, I like what they've done, and it's, it's a lovely website. It's easy, easy to use as a consumer. Yeah, um, yeah we've and, all uh, migrated I, onto it. We've all migrated onto it fairly recently, and uh, it has got a lot of plus points. Yeah, yeah. Now, hats off to them. They've done a good job of, um, of you know, bringing breweries to to, to market and open them up to everybody. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's really easy to use as well. Yeah. Any particular highlights of boxes that you've had so far? Well, I got the track one last month. They yeah. did a, a special ten can box with the glass. So I've been working on that over the over the weekend, nice. <laughs> and that was really nice. Um, and I had a I think the one I had before that. Uh, oh, I, I just had a I had a Polly's one. Um, yeah, and yeah, no, it's been good. And I've got I've got Burnt Mill lined up for for the next okay. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, who another like brewery that makes some, that makes some brilliant West Coast beers, and I've not had any for a while. So hopefully there'll be some in my box for uh, the next month. Sounds good. I mean, yeah. Um, it sounds. I mean, 
for 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 me, I like the choice that's on there. I mean, there's so many there's so many great breweries on there. You can lock in, lock out. It, it kind of works quite nicely, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and you discover breweries you've never seen before. So, yeah, I mean, we're quite happy because a lot of the breweries we've worked with before are on there now. Because mm. just to give you a bit of an idea, when we started, you know, it was, it was in lockdown, and we just were tasting beers for fun between us, and then we sort of migrated onto web shops and and bottle shops, and realizing that there's a load of breweries out there we'd never even heard of. Mm, and yes. move, you know, we moved through. I, I don't know, James. You know how many we've had so far? How many breweries? Have yeah, roughly. I can't. Around twenty forty six, about seventy five. Seventy five breweries. Yeah. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's over, there's over two thousand, isn't there? Two thousand. Yeah. You got a way to go, yet, lads. <laughs> but anyway, out of that seventy five breweries, I would say maybe twenty five of them are on Bruiser. And it's just nice that mm. we kind of know about them from the past, and they're not kind of unusual names. To yeah. Us. In fact, we're chatting one of the, with one of them on Wednesday. So yeah. Noah from Chapter was one of our uh, breweries from. Like, yeah, I love Noah. Give, give say hello for me. Really nice guy. Yeah, we'll do. And um, he's a he's a former former teacher as well. So. Yeah. Oh, right. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> um, right now we're at the um, Ask the Brewery uh, section. Does anyone want to take this on? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can't do it. I'll, I'll, it's okay. Uh, we'll edit that bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we've got we've got. Um, are we going to name these people? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got a couple of kind of uh, listener questions. Uh, I think one of them might know you because there's a bit of a clue there. But anyway, um, Daniel Gregory has asked, uh, "Will you ever be making a core ranged bipper?" I mean, I love bipper, um, and we do actually. We've we've got one in tank, and we packaged one a couple of weeks ago. So we, we do actively brew them. Uh, core range, probably not, because it's it. They can be a hard sell, uh, and they, they will stick around. So um, yeah, I, we do have we, Shadow of the Beast. We we've got is a kind of regular bipper we brew, but it's not a core beer. We were talking to Lloyd at Kreich Bruco, a relative new brewery local to us, and he launched on his launch a black IPA that absolutely tastes lovely. He had plans for it to be his core, but it just didn't sell at the scale that yeah, it yeah. was selling. Yeah, but Daniel, you heard it first that there's going to be a special edition next year. So, yeah. Um, and, then we, <laughs> and, then, and then we've got Andy Pat Butcher Mac. He says, Are you the nicest bloke in beer? <laughs> Uh, that see that that started years ago. A friend of mine, Andrew, um, sent a, a joke t- Twitter poll um, asking, you know, who's the nicest man in beer? Is it me, uh, Colin Strong, uh, or Dominic Driscoll? Uh, and the oh, other two Dom, kind of yeah, they've done for Formbridge, yeah, Marble, yeah. really nice guy, yeah. And that, that's where it started from, just a random tweet. But it's kind of stuck. I guess there's worse things to be known as, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's true. Well, certainly across your socials, you're very active. You know, you're posting lots of interesting stuff. It looks like certainly, it, it looks like I, I, you barely have time to brew beer. The amount of stuff and, and, and functions you seem to be attending it seems to be quite quite a good little life. Um, yeah, we do. We do. Uh, yeah, very busy. But we, as I said, we're elusive as a little team now. So if it was still just me, I wouldn't have the time to do any of that stuff. So hat tip to the team. <laughs> and I guess before we go into quick fire round, um, I've got one burning question I want to ask in terms of if you had brewed any beer in the world, what would it be and why? That's an awesome question. Um, I'm going to say Jaipur. Really? Uh, because, I mean, that's an iconic beer um, and that has got a lot to answer for in terms of the role it's played in in kind of developing and leading uh, you know, brewing in the UK. Uh, so yeah, Jaipur would be an awesome beer to have my name against. Um, so yeah, well done, Thornbridge, for for giving us that beer. I think it's it's a wonderful beer, and even even today when you drink it, it's it's fantastic. And um, yeah, it's it's eighteen years old. I saw wow, uh, really? this year, so it's, it's now old enough to drink itself. I, I think that's quite <laughs> interesting. That's an interesting one for us, is it? Because 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 that being so so local mm. um, and. You know, sometimes it's it, it's hard to go into a pub, or even it's sort of part, uh, of, the, it, it, part of the furniture. Yeah, almost, it, isn't it, it, in terms of most yeah. local Indian restaurants. You know, if you go up to Matlock and, and you go into an Indian restaurant there, they'll 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 have it in in bottles. Mm. So it's so it's everywhere. So I think I think we kind of living here, you kind of forget mm. what a game changer it ended up being. Mm. It kind of broke the mold, didn't it? In terms of it was available in all formats. 
um, you know, from the start kind of thing. And it probably wasn't the start, felt like it. Um, it was available in all formats, and that hadn't really been done. You know, Keska, Keska, Bottle, Can, you know, yeah. you name it. And, and in the supermarkets, it kind of it kind of was across all formats pretty quickly. Yeah, it is. I also find I think it's insanely Moorish mm. for its strength. And if if I spot if you have it on cask, you know, it's hard to have just one, and that that catches you up pretty quickly. <laughs> we we have a we have a local uh, micro pub called Angels in Belper that always have four standard beers on plus two guests. But they always have Jaipur. They'll always have Plum Porter. They'll always have Oakum Citra, and um, one of I'm trying a, a blue. Um, Blue monkey beer on, so they'll always have those ones and two extras. And yeah, you know you're going to get a good pint when you go in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, and it is always a beautiful pint in there. Yeah, straight from straight from the barrel, isn't it? And, yeah, and just mm. okay. Yeah. Um, I think we've probably probably got about another ten minutes on this. So let should we just keep it rolling? Yeah. So we've got quick fire yeah. round. Jamie, do you want to? Uh, yeah. So um, I'm, we've got the the standard uh quick fire questions but i'm I'm also now without telling you i'm going to add in a couple of extra ones that, that, that <laughs> i've just started to do so um first one then uh biggest influence on your brewery uh, I, I mentioned earlier weird beard um greg and brian um certainly helped me get started and and we're definitely a, a huge early inf influence on us so uh yeah shout out to them yeah awesome Okay, so uh, the, what, what do you think is your, or, yeah, the best beer by breweries? Oh, we need to edit this. By their brewery or by, I've forgotten now. Yeah, best beer brewery. by their brewery. Yeah. yeah, your best beer. We'll edit that. Um, so the best beer by your brewery. One of my absolute favourites we can today, actually, which is Ravenwood. Uh, it's an export India stout, which is very, very much a, a nod to Colonel and the work the Colonel do in, in their love of hoppy dark beer so it's a uh, quite a roasty full-on stout 6.8 but just hopped and dry hopped uh, at, at crazy levels and uh, it's one of my favorites for, of ours that we make definitely and well, if there's anything like a kernel one then that's going to be yeah. definitely one to look out for um what's your uh other than yourself what's your favorite brewery uh probably my favorite in the world is going to be firestone walker uh over in california they're a brewery that uh, seems to never put a foot wrong in terms of everything they brew. I, I could liken them to Thornbridge, really, in that in the sense that they can turn their hands pretty much anything, and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, no matter what the style across, you know, pale, dark, mixed, firm, barrel aged, um, they just tick all the boxes, and, and um, yeah, really exceptional brewery, Firestone Walker. Cool, thank you. Um, drinking style here then. So are you a, a thirds, halves, two thirds or pints kind of person? And do you have a favourite glass? Uh, I love uh, I love cask pints. So pints for me, just in a straight glass. Um, that, that works for me, just a kind of straight tumbler, not not the nonic with the, the bulgy bit. Oh, I would say one. it's nice to have a jug if it's cask as well, but I wouldn't turn down a jug with a handle. Uh, so, um, yeah, those are my two glasses I gave you there, but that's my preference um awesome then we've got favorite style of beer um i, I suppose west coast ipa would be the obvious one but i'll, I'll go with black ipa uh it's a style that i've always love loved and championed i love brewing them i love drinking them uh they, they they kind of died and came back and uh you know in 2012 2013 they were everywhere and then they won now and now there's some again and that's great to see i really love love drinking them so i was gonna my two new questions i was gonna ask you if you're a cask or cake person but i think you you answered that in your in the earlier question, bit of a yeah. can't beat a cask pint, and I must say I, I drink too much keg these days. Sometimes I think because uh, when you get a really good cask beer, sometimes you forget how mm. how good a really well kept cask yeah. beer is. Um, but the favorite final question is um, favorite hop uh, Nelson Sovian. Yes, that's, yeah, why, that's, mine you know, well. that's why I asked that question because <laughs> you, you dropped you've dropped it you've dropped the uh, Nelson in a few times in in conversation with different beers and I, I had an inkling. Yeah, so that means that me and Paul are right. <laughs> you guys are wrong. You've, um, have you ever made a beer with that phantasm that 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 pro that that product that kind of is kind of related to Nelson Sovian? I haven't no. So that's just it's, isn't it derived from the the skin of Sauvignon Blanc grapes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. I haven't, but I, I recently tried the Lakes Bruco. Uh, they've released two beers, one one a West Coast, one an East Coast. 
um, which is really interesting to try. And, and for me, it gives a definitely gives a different dimension above and beyond what the the hops give. So it is an interesting product. Um, there's actually and what the Akima Chief released a a pellet that's a blend of hops and that phantasm, uh, which well, I might okay. have a play at some point. So uh, yeah, keen to give it a try, but I haven't yet. I'd, I'd be really keen to have a brewery that that brewed the same beer that you know same recipe but one had it in and one didn't so you could kind of taste them side by side and get an idea of what there's mm. an idea for you what what was different about it <laughs> they use it's, it's, different yeasts as well though don't they yeah i guess so it's not yeah. it's perfect is it's a thylized yeast don't they but yeah. I just yeah exactly. it'd be nice to have one where it's like this is as close as it can be so you can because i'm with you that when i tried the ones we had from um phantom, phantom and and you could taste it was a lot it was a lot different, but it was hard to pinpoint. Yeah, hard to nail it down. We did do a we brewed a beer um that used um the, the hop unlock yeast, the thiol unlocking yeast, but we used the to get the thiol precursors in, we used uh, we mash hopped with cascade rather than using the phantasm. Yeah. Uh, so that has a lot of kind of um thiols that it can um you know it can introduce into the beer with the help of the yeast. And that was really interesting and when we before we dry hopped it. So it literally just had a mashup cascade and the yeast. And it was a flavor and aroma in that. It was just neither of those things, something above and beyond. It was like super, super floral, which I wouldn't really associate with cascade. Um, so that was interesting. Is it, doing, a, doing a non versus, you know, that's a, a good idea. It's a straight up comparison. Um, but you could, you could brew a beer with the same yeast because the beer that we brewed was a brown ale. It wasn't hazy with, with the hop on lock yeast. So it's not just for the hazy style. So you can easily brew a West Coast and a, you know, or two West Coast, one with, one without, Phantasm. See how that, that kind of goes. Then it's not going to be muddied by anything else. There goes another trilogy in the in the works there. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll claim your royalties later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, I think we come to the kind of wrap-up uh, part, actually. Um, we just want to thank you, Andy, for your time tonight. Um, really insightful, really, really knowledgeable. We love, we love what you're doing. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything further you'd like to mention before we sign off? Uh, yeah, I mean, tomorrow, and thanks for having me on, by the way. It's been really good fun chatting um, and great what you've done with with the Belleville Beer Club. Um, Thank started you. out as a lockdown hobby and has gone from there, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give a shout out and mention our Christmas beers because we're brewing our mince pie barley wine tomorrow. Uh, and as I, as I speak, it's the middle of October uh, and we've got three Christmas beers planned for this year. So, um, yeah, looking forward to those. Uh, mince pie barley wine was popular last year, so we're we're brewing that again, and we've also been barrel aging some in in uh, rum and brandy barrels. So that that'll be fun. Awesome. Any any other any other beers you've kind of locked on for Christmas then? So is that one? Is that one we're doing a Clabbish signature, um, which is going to be it's going to be a red ale. That's another one um, with some cranberry um, and some spices. It's a there's a Swedish drink, Swedish drink that yeah. I forgot the name of. Um, I don't know about the breweries, but my wife's that? Swedish, so we know about their traditions. There you go. It's, is it called Glog? Glog? Glog, yeah. Glug, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's like more Glug. wine, basically, yeah. So we, we're brewing a, a Glog beer. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be fun. And the third Christmas beer is going to be, I don't know if we'll Christmas brand it, but we're releasing at Christmas another new West Coast. Um, so just, uh, yeah, those are the three that we'll be releasing in that kind of time frame. And we kind of do like a Christmas box where people can get like these versions all together in a pack or something. Yeah, like. exactly. We'll, we'll do a little Christmas piss pack that includes the the barley wine, the BA barley wine and the the, the glug beer and, and the, the IPA and a couple of pails. So yeah, look out for that. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. It definitely will be on our shopping list, I think. Yeah. Yeah, stop dropping hints. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks once again to Andy from Elusive Brewery. That was a great chat. Next time round, we'll be speaking to Noah from Chapter, a brewery that we featured really early on in our journey as a beer club. So if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe through the usual channels and also look us up on Twitter or X as it is now known, at Belper Beer Club, or even check out our website, belperbeer.club. See you next time. <laughs>